Welcome to Women's Leadership Today. We're your hosts, Michelle Myers. And I'm Nicolette Sarosky. We're bringing you the latest in leadership development and expertise. Now, every month we have a theme here at Women's Leadership Today. October's theme is trust. And this one is so, so important. Michelle, I know we talk about this one a mm-hmm. lot, even when, you know, even when we have our different themes. Uh, what What do you think about trust in the workplace? Yeah, Absolutely. I really love this one because it's the cornerstone of so many others that we've talked about before. And it's essential for anyone wanting to step into leadership. And also what I like about this one is that it really goes in both directions. And what I mean by that is to be effective at work, we need to take steps to build the trust that others have in us. But then we also need to trust our employees or our team and let them step up and do their part. And you're right, it's definitely uh, one that we come back to time and time again. And as you know, Nicolette, I recently had the pleasure of interviewing attorney and women's leadership coach, Ellie Nieves, who shared some great tips on building trust in the workplace. What did you take away from my talk with her? Yes, absolutely. I loved listening to that interview. Um, Mm -hmm. I found it so insightful. Ellie is a great speaker. Um, One thing that I really enjoyed about that interview in particular is how Ellie talks about trust being strategic. Um, mm. I know for me, I'm not, I'm not very good at strategy. I'm kind of a big picture girl. I, I like to come up with really large <laughs> ideas and I don't always know how I'm going to get there. Right. So to think about trust being strategic, um, was really, really interesting because another thing I think that, um, comes up a lot with trust is that people expect trust to be this like intuitive thing that just happens, right? Like Mm. first impression kind of deal. When you meet someone, you either trust them or don't. But in actuality, trust is something that builds over time. Trust isn't something that's just automatic. Yeah, you're right. It it takes time. And um, that's something that Ellie talked about. But absolutely, it takes time. Like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. And to me, a key word is consistency. Yeah. It's um, having that plan and following through. You know, it's that, was it do what you say and say what you yes. do? Old adage we grew up with. Yes, that's so funny because um, our book club is actually reading that um, the book Spark um, mm-hmm. by... It's a good one. Yes, by Angie, Mor- Angie Morgan, Kristen... Oh my gosh, I cannot get these names right. (laughs) Courtney Lynch. (laughs) Courtney Lynch. Angie Morgan. Courtney Lynch. Sean Lynch. The book is Spark. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so we're reading that book and it's really great. And they actually make that point um, about part of building trust is about credibility um, and consistency, right? And one of the points Mm. they make that is really, really great is the um, what they call the do say gap, which is exactly what you're talking about, right? When you say you're going to do something that you ha- have to follow through consistently, every time you say yeah. you're going to do something, um, you know, follow it up and actually do it and make sure you're getting it done. No excuses, right? Um, Ellie talked about that as well. Um, and I think that's so important when it comes to trust. Um, 
it's so incredibly frustrating when someone consistently says they're going to do something and then doesn't follow through. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the first time someone doesn't deliver on something or doesn't follow through, um, I think we kind of give them some leeway and and grace and look past it because we all make mistakes. We all have projects that pop up and priorities can shift and sometimes things need to be put before, you know, what we're working on. But when it happens again and again and again, you stop asking that person for help or as a manager, you are going to stop offering those important and choice projects uh, to that employee or to that team member. And if people aren't showing up consistently and following through on what, you know, they promise that they're going to do, they're going to miss out on a lot, lot of opportunities and they're going to erode that trust that they've worked so hard to build. Yeah. It's really, it's really about dependability, whether people can depend on you or not. Right. Um, maybe it's the way I was raised, but my, my parents <laughs> always, um, hammered in hard about how, if, if you say you're going to do something, you have to follow through, or if you make a commitment, yeah. right, you have to follow through on that commitment. It was always really important to them that if I started something, even as a small child that I followed through. And I think that's led through with me into my professional career. Um, another important thing, um, that both the book talks about and that I was taught as a, as a child that I think is really, really important when it comes to trust is that accountability, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if, for instance, when I would say some, say I would do something, or if I made a commitment that I couldn't follow through on, it was instilled in me that it was very important to own up to that mistake, to own up that you took, maybe took more on than you could handle or something like that. And to step up and say, Hey, I I made this mistake. Um, you know, I'm going to try to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, I think accountability is, is, huge when it comes to building trust, Um, especially, you know, if you maybe don't have the best do say gap (laughs) record in the companies, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And I like what you said about, you know, growing up and the same. Um, I, I joke with my husband that I keep my commitments to a fall, even if it's like an, an invite, you know, through Facebook or an invite, you know, I might not, I typically won't respond, you know, going or accept whatever, um, immediately. Cause I want to make sure that once I do commit, I'm there. And I feel like that's sort of a, a lost art in a way that, yeah. cause and I know it's different when it comes to our professional and our personal lives, but still that's just something that's so ingrained and inherent. So it's very rare that if I say I'm going to do something, I don't do it. And if I do, it comes again to that accountability, mm-hmm. you know, certainly explained why. Cause again, like I said a moment ago, things do come up and life happens. A child gets sick. Um, another project gets dropped on a desk. That's urgent. Things come up and that's fine, but it's, you know, giving that um, explanation, it's sharing why you had to have shifting priorities. And this is kind of uh, goes hand in hand with something I asked Ellie about, um, you know, if, incredi- if credibility and trust is something we can earn back if we mess up and, and, and have lost it. Um, and it goes back again to owning up to our mistake saying this is what I learned from it and this is what I will do moving forward. But again, it will take time just like it took time to build trust from initially recovering from 
that loss of trust takes time and consistency once again. Yeah, and I think that accountability, again, goes heavily into that, which I I know she was saying as well. It's about owning up to that mistake and then um, not only owning up to it, but taking ownership of the solution. Um, which which is Mm -hmm. something she said part of the strategy, which I think is is really, really important. Um, Another thing that she said that really made me think um, is about taking accountability not only for your mistakes, which I think when people think about accountability, they get hung up on the mistakes, right? Oh, I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. I have to own up for it. And it's, it's kind of hard to think of it always that way because then you know it's always very uncomfortable to say hey I'm so sorry right I made a mistake <laughs> um, but one thing that she had said was uh, taking accountability for your successes as well and oh, yes. yeah and I had never thought of that like I I mean you know we've talked before about um, owning your successes um, like when you do a good job on a pro- project making sure that people know that but Mm-hmm. Using that term for it, accountability, in terms of successes, really um, hit a, a chord with me. And I think that actually makes it easier to practice accountability if you can mix in some positive accountability with some maybe more conflict-based uh, accountability. Well, and that also ties into building our credibility, mm-hmm. which we do through our successes and accomplishment. But it often falls on us to share or highlight our successes Otherwise, they may get lost in the shuffle, and people are busy. We're all busy, and they may forget how we closed a large account or came up with a new process that saves the team time, the company money, for example. So it's it's fine to sh- share our successes, to highlight our accomplishments, and you know remind people of our contributions to the organization. Yeah, and and she had said too that. Um, you know, there's a difference between taking accountability for your successes and bragging. I know I personally, I'm not a big fan of bragging about myself. Uh, I don't think any of us are. No, absolutely. <laughs> Especially like in interviews, I always get so nervous about saying any good thing about yourself. And it's so weird because even in that situation, you're like, that's the one time you're supposed to talk yourself up, right? But she did make a point about the difference between taking accountability for your successes and bragging. Um, and one big point she brought up was that you can um you can uh kind of take accountability also for other people's successes maybe that's not the right Mm -hmm. phrasing but um to bring people up if they helped you along the way to say hey i did a really good job on this but i couldn't have gotten this done without a b and c as well um which i think is really really great it's one of those ways that we can really lift ourselves up in the workplace or lift each other up in the workplace instead of um you know sometimes competing stuff like that yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, another thing, I just want to go back to that that book, Spark, because they also said something else that really stuck with me. Um, and that's that when you're earning trust with others, you have to consider the way that they want to earn trust with you, or you have to earn trust in, in ways that are meaningful to the other people. Um, I mm. think this is really interesting because I've always been taught, like, treat other people the way you want to be treated, you know? Um, the, oh, well, yes, with that. the golden rule, right? <laughs> so, yes, we'll yeah, so to think about this in a different way, to think about how. How do other people, like, what can I do to make myself trustworthy in other people's eyes? I think that takes a lot of practice, a lot of strategy, like we were saying, and a lot of empathy. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was really interesting to think about it. I'd never thought about it that way. Yeah, I like that, too. And it wasn't something I'd thought about before either. And this speaks, again, 
to it being a matter of time, uh, like we keep saying, you know, all this takes time. This is not an overnight or instantaneous process. It takes time to get to know your peers and your employees and recognize what matters to them. And also, trust goes both ways. Not only do you need to establish the trust others have in you, but as a leader, you need to be able to trust your team as well. And when you're leading a project or an initiative, it can be tempting to try to do it all yourself yeah, uh, or perhaps even micromanage, but it isn't good for us as the leaders and it's definitely not good for the team or the team members. Effective leaders need to trust that their team will show up every day and deliver quality work. We want people to assume that we will do that and we need to be able to trust our team and let them know that we know they have the skills they need, that they have that credibility um, and that reliability and we need to let them, let them do their job. Yeah. And I think that's so important because I I know like you can just tell when someone who's leading the charge doesn't trust you to get your work done. It's, it's really, it's a big, it's a bummer, you know, when you're on a team and the whole team can tell, especially if the leader doesn't trust their team in general, not just one specific person. Um, And I know that Ashley Cox just presented on this um, exact topic, Mm -hmm. right. In her event, uh, setting expectations that get more done from your team. Um, She has a list of common pitfalls that I think are really, really important Um, when it comes to having that trust in your team, some things that can um, hold you back from developing that all important trust. And I know um, we personally couldn't explain it any better than her. So we're just going to go ahead and play (laughs) that clip for you guys. Okay. Common pitfall number one, lack of clarity and measurable outcomes. Being clear takes considerable thought and is much more difficult than issuing a general statement like, we need to streamline our processes. While that statement might feel like we're setting a clear expectation, it's anything but clear. Consider these questions that a team member might have. What exactly are we streamlining? Which processes? All of them? Some of them? How? Who's involved? When does this need to happen? What kind of improvements do we want or need to see? How will we know when we've reached the goal? In a recent study by Tiny Pulse, they found that only two in five people strongly agree that their managers have clearly identified their roles and responsibilities. And it's not about what we think we've done. It's about what our people believe. Without clarity and measurable outcomes, we're creating an engagement gap with our employees who don't understand their roles or know how they contribute to the company in meaningful ways. And this can be the difference between a high-performing team and a team that's just kind of limping along. So number two is not asking for feedback. Our people have ideas and concerns and opinions. They're often the closest to the project or the assignment and they have incredibly valuable input. They want, for the most part, to be engaged in the conversation and they want to be taken seriously. Another finding from the Tiny Pulse study is that only one in four employees strongly agree that their company takes their feedback and suggestions seriously. It's just so unbelievable because we're leaving so much knowledge and expertise and untapped potential that could add incredible value to our teams and our businesses. And we're also hurting employee morale at the same time, again, leading to those disengaged teams. 
Number three common pitfall is set it and forget it mentality. So setting expectations is not a one and done. It's not like a crock pot where you can toss a bunch of stuff in and turn it on in the morning and let it cook all day and there's no effort for dinner in the evening, right? This is it's not a crock pot. It takes a little bit more finesse and expertise, kind of like the chef at a Michelin star restaurant versus a home cook's crock pot method. So remember, even when you've communicated, have you communicated it enough? Have you communicated it in multiple formats? Have you communicated it consistently and frequently? We really have to make sure that we are not just saying it once and then expecting everything to magically fall together. Number four is lack of support and encouragement. Leaders need to spend more time providing feedback and supporting our team and encouraging our employees to foster feelings of engagement and care for the organization. This brings in that comment earlier. I said, you know, a lot of my clients are like, why don't my employees care? We have to build that. We have to intentionally nurture that with our teams. And I don't mean that you have to throw ticker tape parades for everybody every time an employee, you know, turns up for work or turns their expense report in time. But here's another shocking statistic for you, because you know I got those for you today. More than 80% of employees surveyed said that they only received feedback on their performance when something was going wrong. 80% only got feedback when something was going wrong. That's so sad. We can and should do better because every single person can and does something well and something right at some point. And finally, number five, blaming and shaming. Leaders who work in a company where blaming and shaming is the name of the game can easily find themselves sucked into that game, even if it's not typical for them. Pointing the finger, accusing others of messing up, um, asking for names, saying things like heads will roll, uh, covering your tail, all of these are part of that game. This victim cycle though is not productive for you, for your team, or for your company. Rising above that blame game cycle requires a great deal of self-awareness, reflection, and ownership. But when you own your role and what's going on with your team, then you can work together to solve those problems that you're facing and your team will grow together. Michelle, I don't know about you, but that statistic really surprised me when it came, mm. when it came to the lack of support and encouragement. That's more than 80% of employees say they only receive feedback when they did something wrong. I know for me, encouragement is so important. And I've been in those kind of environments where you only hear from the person leading the charge when, when you've made a mistake or when you've messed up. I mean, even if you don't realize you have, but you never hear about when you've, made, when you've done a success or when you're doing something well. Um, were you surprised by that percentage? I, I was, I actually was. Maybe it shouldn't be so surprising, but 80%. Yeah, and I thought how unfortunate, I know. And I was thinking, well, that's just really unfortunate that so many people work in that type of environment. All feedback is important for both for morale and also to know for meeting expectations. I think, you know, for most of us, we go into anything with the intent to do the best job that we can. Absolutely. And if we're just, you know, 
rolling along doing something the wrong way and we don't find out about that until you know the end of the year or whenever our review is that's going to be very frustrating and demoralizing um but that but that feedback is so important that in the moment feedback mm -hmm. both again that positive uh feedback or that that criticism but we all need that. We all want to know what we're doing right or what we're doing wrong so we can adjust accordingly. Yeah, and I think it's easier to hear that negative feedback when you're also getting positive feedback along the way. Like, you don't always have to do that mm -hmm. compliment sandwich, right? Here's something you did well. Here's something you can work on. Here's another thing you did well. Like, you don't have to sugarcoat the conversation. But if yesterday I heard from my my manager my lead, or the leader that um, – I did something well and I got kind of like that little boost. Oh, thank you. Then the, the next day, if I, if they have a little bit of critique, like, Hey, you're really falling behind here. If we could um, speed that up or, um, Hey, you made a mistake in this copy. I'm already boosted from the day before, but if, if I'm only ever hearing that negative critique, it's really disheartening. Yeah. And I'd like what you said about that, that comment sandwich. Um, and I think that is a tool that some people think they should use, you know, sandwich the negative between two positives. But realistically, all we're going to hear from that is that negative. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's just the reality. At least I know that's how I'm hardwired. Oh, you know, too. I know if we've all been, I think that situation where you have maybe a review and it's, you know, 98% are is glowing comments, but then that one, you know, little bit and, you know, we, perhaps we, we handle it well and professionally and learn from it. But I think that's like the one nugget that we're going to remember the most and in that moment. But I also think a lot of it is, uh, not just what you say, but how you say it. Yeah, so and true. you kind of get that example saying like, you know, you're falling behind. Um, you know, you can say, okay, Nicolette, I know you're falling behind, you know, is there something that you need to catch up or yeah. to stay on top? You know, you can offer because it is at the end of the day, we're all a team and we want to work together to those same goals. So I did think that that was that was a good point. And I think a third aspect of trust that isn't really discussed as much is having trust in the organization. Mm -hmm. Employees are expected to show up and perform at their best every day. But we need to also feel confident our organization will support us and fulfill their mission and live up to the company culture. What do you think on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, talking about company culture, so many of these companies put out statements, right, that um, they are inclusive, they're empathetic to their employees, that they really care. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's just it's not living up to it. And it's not always about mm -hmm. your leader, right? Because you can have a really great, strong, empathetic leader that that genuinely cares about you. But if their hands are tied by, you know, the what actually might be the company culture, not just what they're mm -hmm. saying, right, then it, it doesn't really matter. And I mean, for me, Trust in a company is one of the most important things. And I think that it's really becoming one of the most important things to the younger generation as well. I think a lot of weight is being placed on how much you trust the company you're working for. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, I know for me, like I, 
I just, once that trust is broken, it's really hard for me to wait around that for that time to repair, um, especially if I feel like it's coming from the company itself, not just the leader. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm so much more forgiving if a person slights against me and I can repair that relationship. But how do you repair a relationship with an entire organization? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, um, for instance, okay. So I worked for this one company and it was going great at first and it, it felt like I was be, uh, being heard and supported, but I had this one incident. It was a medical emergency and it was uh, quite a bit, quite a few days and I had asked for that time off and I had to basically negotiate <laughs> my, oh. my physical health um, to get the time off. I didn't even end up getting all that time off. I ended up working half days during this really difficult time. And, you know, that's a big example for sure. Um, when that happened, I was like, I just, I cannot trust the organization because, and it, it goes back to that leader versus organization aspect, right? Because my supervisor was amazing. I really loved working with her. She really genuinely cared, but you could tell that she was fighting for the company when we were negotiating mm -hmm. and not for what she actually, actually felt. And like I said, that's a huge example. Um, but trust is broken in, in little ways every day. I mean, it doesn't always have to be something that directly affects you, you know, your physical or mental well-being. although even little things can, can affect you mentally. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever had mm -hmm. an experience like that, where you were working for a company that just, you know, just couldn't hold on to your trust or couldn't repair that trust. Yeah, I have. And I think that's probably something most people can relate to at least somewhere along their career. And I certainly used to work for an organization uh, that had, you know, they would say on the surface that they encourage innovation where the reality was uh, if you brought forth new ideas and it didn't seem to matter how you presented them with facts, with data to support it, with the benefits, with the resource it would take, you know, outlined all that clearly, uh, it was more of a sense that your ideas were a nuisance, like mm. you're disrupting the status quo or the flow of things. So after a while, it, why would, you know, I stopped bringing ideas. I'd had ideas. Right. And I'd share them with colleagues and they'd say, yeah, that's great. But I certainly was, I felt discouraged to share ideas, yeah. not encouraged. And I stopped. It was sort of a, why bother? I'm just going to get stepped on. Why am I going to deliberately put myself in that position? And especially when you're excited about something, you have an idea and you're excited. And of course, not every organization can implement every idea everyone has, right. but you still want to encourage those ideas so anyway um yes i've been i've been down that road <laughs> yeah and that's that's really hard too because um you know it, to not felt feel heard in an organization then you just feel like well i'm just going to show up do my job and clock out right like why would i mm -hmm. i if i don't have any stake in this like if if nobody's even listening to me then i'm basically what like a number online right um you kind of you you, you, you you do get that discouraged feeling and it's it's hard to go in excited about the job you're doing then and i think that it's harder for an organization to repair trust with their employees because they have to do it on such a larger scale than you have to do individually um 
you know, big yeah. changes kind of have to be made in that situation or, you know, uh, they have to put out some kind of, you know, reconciliation, some kind of apology on a much larger scale. It's hard. It's harder for an organization. And it really, you know, when it's a, when it's a difference between an organization and a person, it's it's really I think it becomes a lot more difficult. So it's important to set that company culture, like you were saying, and then stick to it as a leader, you know, hold your your own leaders accountable, hold the people in upper upper management accountable and say, hey, you know, I'm hearing this from the bottom. People are losing trust. We need to make some company wide changes. Um, you know, it all comes yeah, back to that accountability. Hard. I think that is is so, so important. And Michelle, you've been with Success Fuel now for 19 years, which is- I have, yeah. I know, I know. It's a long <laughs> time. You so old. No, no. I started when I was, I started when I was 12. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I know. So you, you did start as soon as you were able to start working. You've never worked anywhere else, right? So you've been with the company for 19 years. Um, and I can imagine that if you didn't trust the company, you wouldn't have stuck around so long, correct? So what is the difference? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, firsthand what a great team we have to work with. Yeah. I mean, we're so fortunate and um, we hear that from people all the time that we work with and that we interview. They love our passion, our camaraderie. And I, I know I can count on any of you to follow through on a task. Um, you know, I have, a hun you know, complete trust and all of our team members. I know everyone is willing to jump in at any time to help with anything needed. And I assume everyone on the team has that same trust in me. I, you know, I feel, feel that way. We're there for each other. We show up when needed. And if it's outside of our job description, none of us hesitate yeah. to, to be there and pitch in. Um, so that trust is never an issue. But also going back to the organizational level we were talking about, we're fortunate that we work for an organization that lives up to its culture and is quick yeah. to share and spotlight the successes. I mean, that's part of our regular bi-monthly meetings, isn't it? Like highlighting what different departments and what different individuals have done and employees at all levels. And that's what one thing I really love is you, it doesn't matter where you are in our organization, if you've done something you know, that stands out and it doesn't even have to be a big thing. It's going to be recognized and you feel like genuinely appreciate it. And again, that goes back to, uh, that trust going in both directions. Mm -hmm. Uh, the organization trusts the employees to show up every day. Uh, you know, do what they need to do. And we also trust our organization is going to support us and give us that room to innovate. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think I think the company does a great job. I've never I've never felt so trusted by an organization to like get my stuff done. I know when I first started, you know, I, I didn't I, I just started not too long ago, but I was surprised because I was like, um, so what how do you clock in and clock out? And they were like, Well you don't. You just you just do your work. And I was like well, is there like a check-in weekly for what I've done? And they were like, no, you just get your work done. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, I've never experienced that before because I've been in a lot of situations where there's a ton of micromanaging where like, you know, if your lunch goes over three minutes, you lose out on pay and all this stuff. So oh, I can't imagine. Oh my, gosh, oh my gosh, it's a nightmare. So like having a company have those policies in place that say like, look, 
we trust you to get your stuff done. You know, if it's not working out, we'll let you know. Um, but it's up to you. And that really has made a difference, at least for me. Um, well, well, I think you actually kind of make an interesting point because we've been saying throughout our discussion today how trust is something that takes time um, and it's being consistent. That's true. But also to speak to what you just said, you know, our our team and our higher ups trust in the employees that they hire. They assume like that trust almost does come automatically. Yeah. The organization, they trust that you're going to show up, uh, do what you need to do. Um they don't say, oh, you're going to have to clock in and clock out, you know, and then once you've earned our trust, then we'll give you some leeway. Right. Our, our, our culture is to assume that we're, we're all adults, we're all employees, <laughs> you know, we all went through the hiring process and we're, we're here to to do what we need to do and we have some fun too. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally feel it from our team and I, I this has been an, an absolute dream. Um, now we are going to wrap up. That's all the time we have for today. Don't want to keep the listeners too long, right? Um, this is Women's Leadership Today. We release two episodes a month, and you're not going to want to miss a single one. You can watch us now on YouTube or listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. At this point, almost anywhere podcasts can be found. Um, we're almost anywhere. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe today and follow along with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and now we're on Instagram as well. Thank you, Nicola. It was great talking with you today. Bye, Michelle. Thank you for listening. Progressive Women's Leadership is passionate about providing the best tools to help you reach your fullest potential. Visit us today at progressivewomensleadership.com for access to workshops, articles, e-guides, and much more to help you further develop your skills and advance your career.